Uh, burnout is an issue. And right now, Steve, roughly 40% the latest uh, Barner research of pastors seriously considering leaving the ministry. Last summer, it was the front page article for Shane Day. 38% of pastors seriously consider leaving the ministry. But you read on the article, it says that the general population that's not in the ministry, it's the same percentage that are considered seriously considered leaving their jobs. What I wonder about is the 60% that are lying about it, right? Right. Because uh, anybody who's been in ministry more than 15, 20 minutes is seriously considered leaving. But when Paul tells Timothy to preach the word in season and out of season, that means we can expect to have both. This is The Calling with Steve Smith, a Family Life original podcast that talks with pastors about the professional and personal challenges they face in their mission to lead others to Christ. Our guest for Episode 9 is pastor and author Mark Dance. Well, welcome to the latest episode of The Calling, talking with Mark Dance, who, Mark, first of all, welcome. You wrote a book called Start to Finish, and it's about pastors, and I guess, what better person to write a book about pastors is someone who's been a lead pastor and a church planner for uh, over nearly three decades, and uh, I guess I'll just start at the beginning. What gave you the inspiration? What made you go like, you know what? I think a book needs to be written about pastors. It's called Start to Finish. Just tell us the birth of the book. Yeah. Well, hey, uh, thanks for having me, man. I, I appreciate it. And this book was born out of uh, my core, I guess, message as I left after, like you said, pastoring for all those years. The president of Lifeway asked me to start Lifeway Pastors and is a publishing company. They um, they encouraged me to write my first book on my core message. And I've had some collaborations where I've co-authored things, but this is my first solo book. And so I had to dig deep, but not very far to find kind of in the open uh, pages of scripture during, during a, a week in a cabin alone. I, the great commandment, which is so obvious, you know, it's in every gospel and, you know, comes out of Deuteronomy 6 and Leviticus 19, the second commandment. It just became like super obvious to me what the most important thing I was to do the rest of the day, the rest of the week, the rest of my life was love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And so it made sense that the most important thing, according to Jesus, is is with that little, you know, protos and megos, first and grace, or most important. It's usually translated most important command. Well, let's start there. You know, <laughs> what's the most important thing? And for 20 years, I had aspired to be a great commission pastor. And I still do. But that was my top goal. And by church standards, it was working, you know. Had planted and pastored three churches, and they'd grown. But when I saw the Great Commandment with fresh eyes, I was like, why am I not praying to be a Great Commandment pastor? Hmm. Because I've never met a Great Commandment pastor that wasn't also a Great Commission pastor. But I've 
I've met several great commission pastors who weren't great commandment pastors. And I've been that guy. You know, got stuff done, but his relational priorities kind of got out of whack at some point. So that's the core of what this book is. Very practical uh, application. Uh, first half of the book on the great, com- the first commandment. You know, so we have a chapter on with all our heart, second chapter, all of our soul, all our mind, you know, mental health, physical, all our strength, physical health. And then the second one is more of a concentric circles rendering of love your neighbor, which neighbor means nearest point. So it starts with at home, you know, and goes into the earth. Now, you know, the whole thing about know your audience, and you know that as a pastor, you have to know your audience. Uh, is this, do you find it more, and what have you found out in your thoughts? Newer pastors, pastors have been around for many years and done this. Is it for everybody? Do, do you target anybody? Uh, who's your audience? Well, my, my core bullseye are pastors. Um, and, and by that, I don't mean necessarily senior pastors. That's all I've done. Um, other than being a pastor advocate, which I am now, uh, I still do some interims now and again, but I'm, I'm not talking about an org chart. I'm talking about the calling. So if you're listening to this, you go, I'm not a pastor. I'm a music minister or a youth minister. It's like, you know, we've got the same job description. So I'm talking to anybody who said yes to God's call to ministry. And I wrote it as a guy. In fact, the subtitle of the book is, um, a pastor's guide to leading a resilient life in ministry. <clears throat> Excuse me. Because uh, I'm hoping and praying that someone will read this with someone else, that one disciple maker will be helping somebody 10 years younger than them or someone or that mentee reaches out to somebody 10 years, roughly, you know, older than them. And they're helping each generation uh, through the challenges of ministry that are the hardest ones, not the one you know, usually people don't get fired or disqualify themselves because of theology. You know, mm-hmm. it's usually because of a life issue. And so ideally a pastor reading this with another pastor or a cohort or group of pastors would be the ideal setting. You know, a common thread as I uh, chat with pastors is, especially, I guess it could happen to anyone, uh, but if if they're leading a, a smaller church, let's say, and they seem to be, they're doing everything, they're doing every single thing, and, and then they're getting involved in their community, and they're doing this and they're doing that, and you've already touched on it a little bit about loving your neighbor, which is the ones closest to yourself. Sometimes the time for family, their own family, Get short change. Do you do you find that as a common thread? Maybe uh, something you've you've been through as well, or just from talking to other pastors. Do you find that as a common thread too? I do, and I. But I, I will say that that's a common thread for anybody uh, who follows Christ, whether they're a pastor or not. They're struggling with the same home life issues. The difference is that we're the only profession on the planet that I've heard of that actually requires that we succeed both at home and at work. You know, our our spouse, our kids are in our job description in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. So for us, um, um, you know, our, our, our ministry will not be stronger than our marriage. And so we have, yeah, we have a deep, there's some pressure there, right? <laughs> There's a lot of pressure in that. But 
I don't care how big the church is because I pastor churches, uh, you know, 20 something to, you know, to a large church. And uh, when I get home, I'm the same guy. You know, whether it's a small church, large church, medium, bivocational. What, what I flesh out in the book is God's pecking order uh, for the pastor. Because even though God, you know, everyone's equal in God's eyes, right? But we're not God. And so he said, okay, here's the pecking order. And all, you know, everything hangs on these two commands, love God, love your neighbor. So the, the Ten Commandments do, the whole Bible do, does. And so let's start with our top. First love is Jesus, right? Those are the first commands. No other gods, no greater than just don't mess with my name or my day. So you've got those. And then you get into the neighbors, and it starts with your parents, um, you know, the love your neighbor is actual Jesus got that from Leviticus 19. If you read Leviticus 19, it talks about how to treat your mom and dad. It talks, it doesn't just talk about lost people. And, and yet there are also my neighbors or my literal neighbors. When I walk out the street, you know, I need to know the people that are in my neighborhood. Uh, but it starts inside my house and if we don't get it right there, if we don't manage, just using the biblical term, if we don't manage our household, we are not even qualified to manage his. So yeah, I think it's a big deal. Another big deal and a word that you hear quite a bit and you talk about it in the book, Start to Finish, talking with Mark Dance, the author. Uh, it's a pastor's guide to leading a resilient life and ministry here on The Calling um, is the word burnout. Now, I've talked to some pastors who say one of the problems of burnout can be, and I guess it's different for everybody, but uh, it can be some pastors try to be someone else. They're trying to be some other pastor they maybe even grew up with or they see and they they try to be them and not get into the Word of God and, and do their own thing and get their inspiration from the actual Word of God. They're getting their inspiration from someone else, which leads or can lead to burnout. I know you talk about burnout in your book, so go ahead, talk about burnout and, and how common that is, where it comes from, or is it different for everybody? I think I think uh, just to focus on the pastor's part of this, uh, which is you know my focus at Guidestone is first of all, COVID was hard on everybody. So I don't want to minimize its impact on pastors because it is it was very is very difficult to pastor a church through that season, as we all know, and I think that we see. You know, statistical data that's that backs up the fact that the, the the level of frustration that went up, the level of exhaustion went up, the things that contribute to burnout, the stress at home. Uh, however, the research also bears out in life lifeway research did two separate studies, one before and one after COVID. They're not leaving the ministry at any different rate than they have before. It's still one and a half percent. So there's not this there's not this big but you know pastors aren't leaving in droves as some speculate, but burnout is so imperceptible that especially for pastors we have this on button and you know, we can hide that from people. There's you can have this erosion going on spiritually, mentally, emotionally, 
uh, relationally and, and nobody know it. And so we have to, you know, kind of take a, a pulse and let, let people help you. Take a pulse. How am I doing physically? How am I doing spiritually? How am I doing mentally? How am I thinking? How am I, you know, the holistic, because that's the great command. It's, it's not, you know, us compartmentalizing our life. It's, it's really more of a comprehensive, integrated, holistic, however you want to put it, uh, strategy. And if, so, so burnout's the same way. You, say, you can't be like burnout physically and not affect you mentally or you know, burn out spiritually and not affect your sleep. So uh, burnout is an issue. And right now, Steve, the reports that get the headlines are the roughly 40% now, the latest uh, Barner research of pastors seriously considering leaving the ministry. Last summer, it was the front page article for Shane today, 40, 38% of pastors seriously consider leaving the ministry. And, you know, I was getting calls about it uh, from different news channels, like, no, oh, no, it's an emergency. But you read on the article, it says that the general population is not the ministry. It's the same percentage that are considered seriously considered leaving their jobs. And I, what I wonder about is the 60% that are lying about it, right? Right. Because uh, anybody who's been in ministry more than 15, 20 minutes is seriously considered <laughs> you know, yeah. at some point you're, you're, I mean, I'm exaggerating, but, sure. but, but when Paul tells Timothy to preach the word in season and out of season, that means we can expect to have both. We shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't panic and we shouldn't ignore it either. But if we're going to be the resilient pastor that finishes strong someday, uh, we're going to have to keep our finger on the pulse and have others help us. To, to make sure that we're staying healthy and, um, and, and staying healthy is the prevention side of burnout. You, uh, in the book, start to finish, you talk about your own experience with burnout. What did you learn uh, during that process? And what do you tell other pastors and, uh, when they're going through that? Uh, it's always a, expand your ministry when you've been through something and you can help other people. So, yeah. 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 I'm glad you asked, Steve, because I'm so uh, about, uh, 13 years ago, um, I was burnt out, not, not for the first time in ministry, but I was stuck. I got stuck, you know. I mean, usually you take some time off, you get some rest, and you shake it off. But but I'd been I'd been stuck for um, at least a year, and I wasn't sure why I was different, why I was thinking different. I mean, I didn't have any moral meltdowns, but it was enough to ask my wife, like, hey, do you it's something something I saw on, uh, on television made me think, well, maybe I'm clinically depressed. And I asked her about it. She said, nah, probably not. You're in the middle of a relocation. And, you know, uh, I, we had two teenagers at home at the time. And, and it was like, uh, I remember when our daughter became a teenager, it was like a whole youth group had moved in her body. It was like, well, where are all these people coming from? You know, <laughs> so everything was just kind of hard in that season. Mm-hmm. And I said, you're probably right. And the next day, I realized something. She's not a mental health professional and neither am I. And so we're, we're doing what a lot of caregivers do. We're, we're self-diagnosing. So I did something radical for a pastor, uh, especially for one of my age. I'm, you know, I was in my early forties at the time. I'm in my late fifties now, but I, I went to my doctor 
my family doctor and I told him this. He asked me questions about how I was eating, thinking, sleeping, all this stuff. I lost a lot of weight. I wasn't trying. I wasn't sleeping well. And all this. And he, he, he just said, you know, this is very common for somebody wired like you. It's in this season of life, you know. And he diagnosed me being clinically depressed. And he gave me a prescription of some, you know, serotonin, which I found out was like a happy hormone that I'd been had completely depleted by burning through. And really, I was just ignoring the Sabbath. Uh, I was, a bit, you know, couldn't take the cape off. And, and there's so many levels of depression, so many levels. And, and but one week after he diagnosed me, so I've only talked to Janet and my doctor. One week later, a different person who never met either my, my doctor or my wife, who was new to our church, was a licensed therapist, a counselor, Christian therapist. She she said a woman came by and they only had two questions. First is, do you know you're clinically depressed? And I said, yes, ma'am, I do. And she said, oh, good. You know, and I said, uh, second question, are you taking anything for it? And I said, yes, ma'am, I am. And she said, again, oh, good. I said, well, I don't know if it works. I just picked it up Wednesday. But uh, uh, so I said, hey, can you and the doctor, and you know, maybe a couple of the leaders get together and help me get healthy again? And they became, excuse the pun, the dance team. And um, they helped me to get healthy again. And those next five years in that church where I went to Nashville uh, to start, you know, this pastoral ministry, I'm still, I'm still in that lane. But I mean, those five years were the best years, Steve, because I appreciated my health and I appreciated my, my church. And it's like my, my brain started to work again. And I even used my testimony like I am right now to blow the stigma out of the room about mental health. Because, you know, if I have a physical health problem, I go to my doctor. If I have a mental health problem, I'll let somebody help me with that spiritual health. I just, I mean, just a few minutes ago, I was with a guy I'm reading that we're discipling each other. And I, I need help growing and staying healthy from other people. And that's how the body of Christ works. And pastors, you're, you're not an exception to that. You're not just a disciple maker. You're somebody, you're a disciple. And, and so let people help you. And that way you can go to distance and help others. Talking with Mark Dance, the author of Start to Finish, Pastor's Guide to Leading a Resilient Life and Ministries. An elite pastor and a planner for nearly three decades, so he knows where he speaks. Uh, you mentioned your wife, Janet, and many times I, when I talk to pastors, uh, the importance of the communication, well, again, then the relationship, uh, a pastor's wife that cannot be understated, can it, Mark? Uh, the importance and the the conversation and the prayer together and just doing life together uh, with with a wife who's there right alongside you. That's right. I agree. Where did yeah, you... she, she's go ahead. I was going to say, where did where did you guys meet? And did she know what she was getting into when you first met and that whole story? I always love the how you met stories and you hear so many different ones with pastors and and pastors wives. Uh, tell us yours. Yeah. Yeah. So almost 40 years ago, we we met in college and started dating. And three years later, we got married. Um, she did know what she was getting into because she's a 
she's PK. She's a preacher's kid. Yeah. And I'm a DK. And so I grew up in the smoking section in church. <laughs> and I, I switched teams from the guy that, you know, collects the money to the guy that spends it. Because, you know, but anyway, I'm, uh, so, so Janet, I like to refer to her as, you know, my second love. <laughs> Just it, this is kind of Bible, talk, you know, preacher talk here, but right. you know, we all know Christian Jesus is our first love. That's our first covenant, and you know, there's the first commandment. The second commandment: love your neighbor means the nearest one. You can't get nearer than Janet unless you include a little five pound poodle. Um, but she's next pillow. And for, you know, for 20 years, uh, each, our kids were down the hall. They were the nearest ones till they became squatters. And so uh, now our parents are of the age that they need to support our kids to. And so so it starts with Janet. Jesus and Janet are, you know, those relationships are lined up and I'm good with them. I really don't need the applause of anybody else, right? I mean, I like applause, but if I'm if I'm upside down with Janet or Jesus, um, you know, my ministry's not working. Nothing's working. And so, in the in the years when we our kids were young, uh, preschoolers and uh, then grade schools, those are the toughest years to grow your marriage. But I, I, if I'm talking to a pastor, you've got kids at home. I want you just to hear me pursue her. No, don't stop. You can't date like you did before you had kids, and and you can't date like you're going to after the kids leave. Those are both awesome seasons, but um, have realistic expectations is what I'm saying. But if you stop dating in between those seasons, if you stop dating when the kids are home and pursuing, I say pursuing because that's what that's what cleave means. You know, we know to leave, break up our parents. But uh, the cleave means to pursue heart. And, and pastors and others that stop pursuing their spouse, whether it's for ministry purposes or even the, which is admirable, or, or, or the raising kids or helping your parents, all those are admirable things. But if anytime she she gets off of the second place line, somebody that if, if Jesus is first, in Janet's second, then everyone else needs to be demoted along the way, starting with the parents, leaving Cleve, and then the kids even along the way need to be demoted to the level that God says, here they are in the pecking order, right? And by doing that, you disciple them, you teach them how to treat their spouse later on, and then you have to demote church members. Nobody likes to hear no, right? Mm. So church members are, oh, wait, and, but you disciple them when you say, hey, I'm doing something with my wife, but I'll get with you later. Or I'm, you know, you don't get back with them at night and weekends or whenever. Uh, you have you have boundaries. And again, that's this is old school. This is Genesis 2, this leave and cleave stuff, but it, it works. And it's just a matter of prioritizing the people that God says prioritize. And that's why great commandment pastoring works. It's a priority of relationships. And again, if you're the great commandment pastor or leader, you're going to be a great commission pastor or leader because you're going to love people. And if you love them, you're not going to let them go to hell without a fight. 
Amen to that. I, I don't mean to bring this up for me, but what you just said reminded me on uh, Father's Day recently, our 30-year-old son who's married, been married for uh, a couple of years, uh, among the things he sent as far as a message to me, he says, and thank you for showing me how to love my mm-hmm. wife intentionally and consistently. Mm-hmm. And no greater uh, message can come from <laughs> your kids yes. uh, than that. Yes, that's gold. Yeah, that is right there. And I hate that. Yeah. It's hard to sum up a book in one thing, and I'm not, I guess, trying to, but the book you wrote, Start to Finish, uh, Helping Pastors, from what I'm hearing you say, it's like, don't try to do it alone, whether you're a pastor or anybody else. Is that a is that yeah. a fair assessment of your book? I think it is a fair assessment. Yeah. 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 Don't try to, you know, ministry's too hard yeah. Yeah. Uh, to do alone. And that's not, we weren't caught, you know, it wasn't a... The call to ministry is not a sentence to solitary confinement. It's not heroic. It's it's actually stupid <laughs> to try to to try to keep growing. To try to even in your marriage, somebody somebody's got to be there. And, and don't, I'm not I'm not suggesting that there's substitutes for the Lord, but they're actually a part of His body and a part of His plan. To help strengthen you, and again, caregivers are you know by calling in nature and instinct, we care for other people. We like to do that. It's awkward sometimes to let people care for us. You don't have to let it get to the point I did where I neglected myself so much I ended up in clinical depression. But some of you neglected uh, yourself physically, and you need help. And uh, some of you neglected yourself spiritually or relationally, and maybe you need some help from somebody with your marriage or with your kids. And but it's embarrassing, and it kind of makes you think twice about asking for help. But I think that if whether you read this book or not, if you get to the end of it, yeah, I think that's a good assessment, Steve. Is that in, in, in this journey, these commandments are basically a journey with with God and with other people and how to do that as a pastor so that you can finish your race, not just to retirement, but through retirement all the way to the end, all the way to your funeral and have those relationships intact. Because when you said about your son, everybody wants at their funeral for their kids to be able to say something like that. Wants their wife to be able to say something or feel something like that. And that's what a good finish looks like to me, is that I still, you know, my relationship with God, my testimony, my family, my friends, and even the people I've served in my churches, um, I've given them my best, and I let them give me theirs. Mark Dance, author of Start to Finish, uh, we appreciate you writing the book, appreciate you taking the time, and uh, continued blessings on your uh, your ministry and uh, and again thank you for for taking the time and uh, the more we learn the more we keep wanting to learn so thanks for the yeah. thanks for the book thank you Steve and thank you Family Life for investing in pastors like me it really matters keep it up. You've been listening to episode nine of the Calling, a Family Life original podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to share it with others and click subscribe to be notified of future episodes. 
Be sure to check out all of Family Life's original podcasts, including Therese Talk, If That Makes Sense, The Powerable Podcast, and Business by the Book. You can find them wherever you download content or at familylife.org. Family Life is a not-for-profit listener-supported ministry, relying on your generous support to make podcasts like this possible. Find out how you can get involved when you go to familylife.org.